Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. He came to serve and not to be served. He came to set an example. He came to set us free. And he put a mandate on the church saying, hey, if I did it, you do it. If I'm willing to stoop down and wash the feet of people, you better be willing to stoop down and wash the feet of people as well. Because the the student is never better than the teacher. We are all students. He's the teacher. And if that's the example he set for us, then we ought to model our lives after that. As a child, who was your biggest role model? We've all had someone who we admire and want to be exactly like, whether it's a family member or a celebrity who you don't even have a relationship with. Well, Pastor James will encourage you in today's message to model your life after Jesus. He's not some faraway God who doesn't know you. In fact, He created you, and He knows you better than even you know yourself. Will you get to know Him today by studying the Word of God? Now here's Pastor James in the book of Philippians chapter 2 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? The answer to that is an abundant yes, okay? Any comfort from his love? Yes. Any fellowship together in the spirit? Yes, or there should be. Um, are your hearts tender and compassionate? Uh, yeah, they, yeah, they're supposed to be. They should be. Then make me truly happy. This is Paul. Make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with one another or with each other. Being of the same mind is kind of what he's saying there. Loving one another, working together with one mind and purpose. Verse 3, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. That's our word for today. Your word for today, kind of like Sesame Street, is humility. That's your word for today. Write it down, okay? Humility, right? Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourself, but they're not. Ah, You're not the person to determine that, okay? Think of others as better than yourself. Look out not only for your own interests. I love that because you can have interests. You can have hobbies. You can have all that stuff, but don't just be focused primarily on yourself. We talked all about this a couple of weeks ago. Look out, look out not only for your own interests, but take interest in others too, okay? Take interest in others too, in their lives, in their joys, in their struggles, in their hobbies, in their, what, what excites them in their walk with the Lord? Take interest in other people. You must have the same attitude. This is, our, this is where our text begins. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Or you must have the same, have this mind, as ESV says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. That's why I'm switching to ESV, because I love the way that it kind of spells this out to us too. Attitude is not wrong, okay? New Living Translation says attitude. Attitude and mind, basically the same, the same, the same word there, okay? The ESV says, what I like about this one is that it just, it says, listen, 
you, you ought to have the same mind, the same mindset that Christ had. Okay, I'm finding my spot here. Have this mind, which you can go back into verse 2, where it says you need to be of one accord, be of one mind. Well, what is the one mind of the church? It's Jesus's mind. It's not a collective of all of us getting together and what we think is best. That's not one-mindedness. That's not what it's talking about. And that's not an effective church. It may sound like it, where everybody comes together and we all agree on this one thing. But what if you're wrong? You all agree on one thing. We're all of one mind concerning this one thing. We will serve our city this one way. But what if Jesus doesn't want you to do it that way? But we're of one mind. But it's not his. So it doesn't matter. It's wrong. But it's good. Yeah, cool. But if it's not what Jesus wants, then you're off. It's his mind. It's his mind. And we as believers, as individuals, we would do ourselves all a favor if we just spent more time with Jesus, more time with him. If I'm spending more time with Jesus and you're spending more time with Jesus, then we, we will be of one mind. And what's amazing about that is we can live totally separate lives. You in your town, you in your side of the city, and all that stuff. And when we come together, there can be this unity because of what Jesus is doing in us as individuals and corporately. A lot of people like to force this thing. We will get together. We will serve Christ together. We will do this for our city. We will do all this. And it's like, but is that what Jesus wants? Does he want us to serve our city? Yes. Does he want the church to be unified and get rid of all their nonsense and that separates us? Yes. But not from our own brilliance, not from our own plotting and planning and all. He wants it to come from his mind. Okay? So it's, it's this one mind. Have this mind among yourselves. Again, which is yours in Christ Jesus, or which is available to us in him. You have to know that it is yours to have. It's, it's yours. It belongs to you. It's yours. But you don't, no, you don't have to earn it. There's nothing you can do to earn this. This all is wrapped and centered around a relationship with Jesus. That's all it is. That's all it is. You want the mind of Christ? It's yours. It's yours. And it really does kind of come down to this, this notion. And, and I'm not, there's a thing, there's a, we all go through seasons of doubt. I get it. I get it. But ultimately, it comes down to this. We either believe it or we don't. I mean, it's just like that. Will you, you know, kind of vacillate? Will you go back and forth and struggle with, do I really believe it? Do I not believe it? Of course you're going to, but when it gets down to the heart of the matter, the bottom line, do you believe it or do you not? Because the truth of it is this, it's yours. You can't deny it. When it comes down to, to issues of like what has been stated within the Bible, have this mind among yourselves, corporately, which is yours in Christ, in Christ Jesus. It is available. It has been made ready. You can have it. It's there. You just got to tap into it. You just got to tap into it. The same, thing, the same thing goes with all these heavenly riches that have been made available to us. Ephesians chapter 1. 
They're there. Do you believe it or do you not? I mean, they're there. The issue is not if it's real or not. It's real. It's attainable. But am I, am I pressing into that by way of this relationship with Jesus? That's, that's, the, that's the, the whole thing with this. It's, it's your relationship with the Lord. It's not religion. It's not legalism. It's none of that nonsense. And it's all, that's all nonsense. It's relationship. Relationship. But I missed my day of scripture reading. Okay. Hey, guess what? Life still goes on. But I don't get 100%. On my Bible reading app, I'm, it shows me as like several days behind. Okay. I'm glad you're concerned about that. That probably speaks more about your heart than actually having 100% Bible reading days. Because I can have 100% Bible reading days, and you ask me what I read, and I'll be like, mm, I don't know. But I checked off the box. It's not about any of that stuff. It's about just drilling into that relationship that you have with the Lord Jesus. It's beautiful. It is the coolest thing ever. It's the most amazing thing ever. And here we get, Paul's going to show us a little bit more of just how awesome Jesus is. Verse 6, it says this, who, speaking of Jesus, though he was in the form of God, okay, verse uh, 6, same, same verse of New Living Translation says, though he was God. Now, that's not a past tense thing, right? It's not that Jesus stopped being God, okay? New, or ESV says, though he was in the form of God, he humbled himself. Or it says he, he did not count, he was in the form of God. He did not count equality with God thing to be grasped or held on to for an advantage. This is phenomenal. And yes, this is deep theological things, totally. But Paul's not like, you know what? I'm sorry you guys are going through a hard time, but can I impress you with what I understand and what I know about the Bible? They're like, I don't want to hear that. I want to hear more about Jesus because they're killing us out here. They're killing us. I, I just want to know more about the Lord. He's like, sweet, because theology will always, and it should, cause you to grow in your relationship and grow closer to Jesus. That's why theology is important. That's why doctrine matters. I don't understand when people don't want to teach on theology and they don't want to teach on doctrine. It doesn't make sense. Those things should cause us to grow closer to Jesus. Because when you look at this, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to, something to grasp. He was willing to leave perfect community, the triune God, perfect fellowship, perfect community, and to take on human flesh and come down here and be the perfect ultimate sacrifice. Amazing. He emptied himself, is what verse 7 will say to us. He, he was in the form of God. He didn't count equality with God to be a, a thing that's, that's grasped or, or to be held on uh, for advantage, verse 7, but he emptied himself. He gave up his rights, benefits, glory, intimate fellowship with God the Father and the Holy Spirit. The list goes on and on and on of all the things that Jesus laid aside just for you and me. This, this is the man who died on the cross for you. This is the man that we serve. He's the God man, 100% God, 100% man. And he left 
Divine, he never stopped being God. Never stopped being God. He humbled himself. And if the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is willing to humble himself and to come as a servant, not to be served, but to serve, aren't we supposed to do the same thing? Shouldn't we do the same thing? He is the hero of the story. From Genesis to Revelation, Jesus is the hero. In this verse, these portions of Scripture, the Apostle Paul is just, he's putting a magnifying glass on the, on the very fact that Jesus is the best thing to have ever happened to your life, to my life, to this entire world. And we should want to be like him. Because he was willing to lay it all aside. So what does that mean? He laid everything aside. It says he, he took on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. God came down here and was born a humble birth. You know, he got, he got the, the executive suite in UTMB, right? In labor and delivery, right? No. No. He was born outside, probably in a cave used for animals. There's Mary, there's Joseph, and it's amazing. Well, well everybody showed up, right? Because, because we, we know the stories, that all the scriptures are there, the prophecies and all that stuff. It, it's as clear as day to a certain extent. So everybody came out to see him. No, no, they didn't. You had some shepherds, you know, shepherds that are like lowest on the totem pole in society. Like, you guys stay out in the fields because you smell. You can't come into the city because you smell too much like the animals you take care of. We're glad you take care of animals, but please keep your distance. They're not the top, they're not top level guys. Angel shows up to the, to the shepherds and says, hey, he's here. He's here. The guy, you've been, the guy you've been waiting for, he's here. God is here. Emmanuel, God is with us. He is here. Shepherds came. They worshiped. King got, you know, Herod kind of got word of it, and he murdered a bunch of babies. All, men, all male children, two and under, slaughtered. That was the welcome Jesus got on the very planet he created and the very people that he created. Jesus is absolutely... When you were being formed in your mother's womb, Jesus was the one who was putting you together. Amazing. Read Psalm 139. Talks all about it. How absolutely hands-on Jesus was concerning your life as you were being welcomed into this world. And you were welcomed into this world on the day of conception, not the day of delivery. It starts at conception. In case there's any confusion out there, you're not welcomed into this world when you come out of the womb. You are welcomed to this world when those cells split. That's when you're welcomed into this world. That's when Jesus is actively working on putting you together. And those same people that he so intimately put together were the ones pulling the beard hair out of his face. The ones spitting in his face, the ones putting the blindfold on him, smacking him around, saying, hey, prophesy who hit you. 
The same ones who are jamming that crown of thorns into his scalp. The same ones who took him and bent him over that log or whatever that was and took that cat of nine tails and ripped all the flesh off of his back. Same ones who put that beam, that cross beam, probably about 70 pounds, somewhere around there, and made him carry it through the city, outside the city gates, to the place of Golgotha, or the skull. Same ones who laid him down, drove those, drove those spikes through his wrist and through his ankles. Same ones who walked by and were jeering at him and mocking him and cursing at him and doing all the stuff, ridiculing him. Jesus put all those guys together in their mama's womb. He came down for that. He came from there to experience that. Have you ever experienced culture shock? Probably. You move somewhere else, go from Amarillo to Galveston, you're like, what world am I in? Why is everything green? This is amazing. It's a, and the people, it's, we've, we know what culture shock is like. Imagine going from a perfect unity, trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and Jesus says, I'm going to go get him. Imagine leaving that and being born of a virgin here on this planet and to watch the very ones that you love so much, the very, the very ones you put together, you formed, you fashioned, you did all that stuff, ultimately to reject you. It didn't change anything for him. The mission was still the same. He came to serve and not to be served. He came to set an example. He came to set us free. And he put a mandate on the church saying, hey, if I did it, you do it. If I'm willing to stoop down and wash the feet of people, you better be willing to stoop down and wash the feet of people as well. Because the, the student is never better than the teacher. We are all students. He's the teacher. And if that's the example he set for us, then we ought to model our lives after that. And this is what Paul's saying. He's like, man, look, look how amazing Jesus is. He is absolutely incredible. Who else has done this? Nobody. Do your history. Not a single religious teacher out there has even come close to modeling this or has even offered to model this. It's always about them. It's always about them what? Being magnified, them being worshipped. It's never about them deflecting the worship onto someone greater. Jesus says, I came to do the Father's will. Whatever the Father tells me to do, that I do. When he was on this earth, he's like, I'm here to serve. I'm here to bring glory to my Father. That's what my life's about. Incredible. Read the Gospels and you see it so plain and just so amazingly just real and honest. And man, Jesus, he, he didn't just talk the talk. He walked the walk. He, he did it. And he did it all for us. It's awesome, amazing. He laid all that stuff aside. He gave up the benefits. He gave up that. And there was even the one point in time, and you guys know this, when he's on the cross and, and God's wrath that has been stored up in that cup was poured out onto Jesus, causing for the first time ever in, well, he's always existed, but he's always existed as one, caused a separation. Because when Jesus is taking on our sins, darkness falls over. He cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
He did all that for us. He, he was more than willing to step in on, on, our, on our behalf and do for us what we could have never done for ourselves. That's why Jesus is a hero. That's why he is the ultimate hero. That's what real heroes are like. We live in a day and age right now where we don't know what a real hero is. We think a hero is somebody who takes a knee for something. We think a hero is somebody who takes a stand for something. We think a hero is somebody who walks off a court when a national anthem is played and all that stuff. We don't know what real heroes are like. Jesus is a real hero. Real heroes are ones who are willing to step in and serve other people. Real heroes are ones who are, they can do it without being seen. They don't need the accolades. They don't need the attention. They just show up and they serve people. That's what heroes are. And they're around. You just may never know it. And that's how it's supposed to be. That's how it's supposed to be. Jesus served. He says he took on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Verse 8 says, and being found in human form, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. The New Living Translation says, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. Verse 8 of New Living Translation says, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. An innocent man dying for all of us criminals. He stepped in for us. And he didn't do it begrudgingly, right? That's probably the most mind-boggling thing about this whole thing. Because if it was me, I'd be complaining the whole way. I wouldn't have even done it. Let me be honest with you. I wouldn't have even done it. If it's James, you know, just James Grizzle himself, be like, die for everybody? Why? Lord, have you seen how bad some of these people are? They're not worth dying for. And Jesus steps in and says, you know what? I know how bad you are, and you are worth dying for. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. And not, even, not only that, not only dying for people that, for like myself, who are not worthy of it, he laid aside all the divine privileges. Even when he was on this earth, I mean, he never performed a miracle for himself. He never performed a miracle for himself. He never was out to like, oh man, I'm really hungry. I guess I'll turn these stones into bread because that's what Satan was trying to get him to do. He never did that. It was always, it was always to bring glory to God and it was always for the benefit of other people. First and foremost, to bring glory to God. The benefit happened for the individuals, but it was always to, to glorify God. It was never to get him out of himself out of a situation or, or anything like that. It's incredible. He could have. He's still 100% God. He could have done anything he wanted to, but he chose not to. This makes him absolutely, completely relatable to you and I. Hopeless, hopeless, red 
Thanks for joining us today on Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. Pastor James has been teaching through the book of Philippians, a New Testament letter written by the Apostle Paul. This letter was meant to encourage the church in Philippi. Paul expressed great appreciation for this group of believers, and he made sure to mention that they were very generous in supporting his ministry. This is how we feel here at Bread for the Broken, too. We're so grateful for your listening support, as well as any financial support you feel led to give. We ask that you pray for this ministry and also pray about supporting us in ways that are necessary to keep these teachings airing to people near and far. If you're interested in being a part of this support, go to breadforthebroken.com and click on the About tab. You'll find a link there to donate. Thank you for your prayerful consideration of giving to us here. If you missed any of this teaching or would like to hear more from Pastor James in the book of Philippians, visit our website today at breadforthebroken.com. Look under the Listen tab. We'd also love to meet you too, so if you're in the area, come visit us at Calvary Galveston. We meet each Sunday and Wednesday for worship and Bible study. Find out more at breadforthebroken.com. Thanks for joining us today as a part of our listening audience. Through this ministry, the gospel is going forth and lives are being changed. Tune in next time for more from the Book of Philippians, right here on Bread for the Broken.